you know, with this accessibility, you will see proliferation of different uses. Certainly, it will become easier for students to create uh, their own virtual reality experiences and to engage in them, be it through their phones or with uh, things like Google Cardboard. I think uh, that will uh, lend the instructors an opportunity to develop, uh, perhaps, or to weave extended reality into their curricula more extensively. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Simon Zaburik, the educational technologist from the Language Resource Center at Columbia University, investigates the application of virtual, augmented, and extended reality for learning and teaching language and culture. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a virtual space continues today with our colleague, Simon Zaburik. Simon is the educational technologist in the Language Resource Center at Columbia University. We will discuss the possibilities of extended reality, or XR, in the language classroom. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Simon. Hey, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to join us on our show. Before we talk all things XR, tell us a little bit more about you. What's your background? What do you do? Um, so I get the second question, uh, what do I do a lot uh, from, from my family members? <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> From my parents specifically, and um, <laughs> it's always easier for me to tell them what I don't do. Okay. Um, what? But um, to answer that question, um, I think uh, to do it succinctly, sort of put in one sentence, would be that I am uh, one of the members of the Columbia LRC team responsible for uh, professional development um, of our instructors. Um, and also uh, pedagogical support. Um, so within um, sort of that umbrella of responsibilities, um, I do a number of things. Um, each semester, I come up with a theme um, that is pedagogically related um, or calibrated, if you will. This year, the theme was uh, new directions in computer-assisted language learning. Oh, very timely, without even... Did you anticipate yeah. all of this, Simon? Uh, no, no, no. Nobody nobody saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that I usually approach it within uh, sort of my role at the LRC um, is that I um, structure the whole semester around a series of um, reading groups, uh, which meets every other week, roughly, uh, at which we go over the most relevant and most current uh, scholarship that pertains to the topic. Um, each meeting is structured differently. Each meeting features a different article. And each meeting is then followed the next week by a workshop that presents a piece of, of technology, maybe a platform, a tool, an app um, that speaks to that specific topic that allows for leveraging um, the, the, the topic itself um, 
and to sort of translate that into um, into the classroom or world language classroom uh, reality to sort of manifest that. Um, so that's kind of gives you a general overview um, of, of what I do at the uh, at Columbia LRC. In addition to that, um, I try to be engaged in, actively in uh, language promotion or foreign language promotion on campus. Um, and then I also work with uh, individual instructors on their various projects. Um, and that includes um, extended reality, uh, which even though doesn't really interest all that many people in our community. It is a big interest to me. And there are uh, and, and there are instructors uh, that work at Columbia who work with me who are also interested in, in, in these things, which uh, uh, which makes me really happy and I'm really excited. Well, so that uh, seems like a, a perfect segue. Um, since we're mostly going to talk about XR today, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and how you got interested in it? I will work backwards. Um, I am currently, uh, so as an educational technologist, of course, I am interested in all sorts of uh, technologies that are related to uh, to foreign language teaching, language acquisition, but it hasn't always been like that. Um, I started out actually as a Germanist uh, at, in Chicago, pursuing a graduate degree in Germanic studies. Um, at which point I really didn't know much about linguistics, applied linguistics, uh, you know, certainly not much about language technologies in general. But at some point during my studies, I uh, took a course in uh, communicative language teaching, um, and that got me really interested in linguistics, applied linguistics. Um, that led to a course in computer-assisted language learning, and I pretty much got hooked. Um, I completed the degree in German at the master's level and then switched full on into applied linguistics, which then took me increasingly in the direction of uh, of, of technology and, and maybe even computer science. I get really interested in computational linguistics, uh, natural language processing, speech technologies, uh, speech recognition, uh, generation, and, and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Virtual reality sort of appeared um, on the horizon um, in conjunction with my work at the LRC, uh, where uh, we focus on on, uh, distance teaching. Uh, We have this program uh, called Shared Course Initiative that we run with Yale and with you guys at Cornell, uh, which uh, my colleague Chris uh, Kaiser manages, um, that I'm not going to go into detail about that, but it essentially um, connects various campuses and various language classrooms and locations with high-definition uh, video conferencing equipment. Um, so right there of the bed, we are talking about sort of immersion or immersive learning, um, even though it is not you know, entirely immersive. Um, it is taking place in a virtual setting, um, which you know then got me thinking about, okay, um, could it like what does it mean to to be to be learning in this kind of setting? What kind of affordances does this kind of environment bring to the table? How does it impact language acquisition, either positively or negatively? Um, and I started looking into these things. I started reading up on uh, on virtual learning, immersive learning, uh, and learning in different spaces. Um, and then uh, you know that led me to the topic of, of virtual and, and extended realities. Uh, as a possible, maybe you know, next step uh, on the path towards uh, you know 
distance uh, instruction um, and and, uh, and and maybe even shared course initiative. Who knows? Mm-hmm. What is the difference between XR, VR, AR? I mean, there are so many. I've also recently heard mixed reality. Is that even a thing? Um, so what is the difference? The difference is very uh, nebulous. Huh. <laughs> um, so, um, but it's really uh, it's really simple to um, I think to parse it to to sort of digest it. Um, XR stands is under tends to be understood as extended realities, uh, but it is actually um, a uh, a combination, the, the combination of two characters, X and R. So R stands for, for reality, uh, but X there doesn't stand for extended. Um, it's just a variable uh, that could be replaced with any other different letter. So, you know, when we're talking about a virtual reality, that X gets V and VR. Augmented reality would be AR. Um, mixed reality would be MR and, and so on and so forth. So instead of, you know, confusing people by introducing all these different terms we just have an x in front of r gotcha yeah Mm -hmm. um but the difference largely boils down to the degree of immersion um with virtual reality you are kind of you know full in um you are wearing a uh a a a helmet um or a viewing device uh, that covers your entire field of vision such that you don't experience visually anything else uh, other than the rendered uh, environment um these helmets these uh, usually come with um sort of, sort of an audio feed and uh, haptic feedback uh, that allows you to manipulate uh general uh, artificial generate objects in, in three-dimensional space um augmented reality kind of removes you a little bit from that immersive experience by um allowing you to sort of project things and, and project uh three-dimensionally generated objects onto the space that surrounds you that is real that's not generated um and then you know taking even even further away uh you know we can be talking about um using or experiencing uh, immersive environments on a computer screen, which, you know, is two-dimensional, uh, but it also offers you a degree of, of immersive experience and, you know, so on and so forth. So what are some affordances of XR technologies in world language pedagogy? Um, that, what are some methods and approaches that would facilitate the use of XR? Okay. Uh, wow. That is, uh, that is quite a question. Uh, lots to unpack here. Um, yeah, we like, to, we like to ask the deep questions here on speaking of language. What I've been seeing a lot is uh, sort of the use of, uh, of extended reality for uh, the teaching of culture, yeah. um, cultural expo- exploration, ethnographic um, exploration in the world language classroom. Um, there, there's there's a lot of that certainly happening, and um, that seems to be what folks are, are really interested in uh, now. Um, and you know, it is it is very useful. Um, virtual reality or extended reality technologies definitely lend themselves um, to that. Um, there are uh, there is an increasing number of projects uh, that are coming out uh, concerning that. Um, and they grow in in, in sophistication. Um, of course, you know uh, this kind of 
this, 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 these kinds of projects um, tend to be uh, more passive um, in the sense that students are, or well, students um, are um, participating, they're experiencing uh, extended reality, uh, usually um, individually, um, and it is done, and, and, and they're doing so without necessarily having a degree of interaction with uh, with the generated space. Um, so, um, in that sense, uh, these projects are not uh, very. Um, I mean, we could make an argument they're student centered, but they're they're not. Uh, they're they're not generated, they're not being created by students. Um, there are a number of projects that are coming out uh, these days that also try to sort of flip it, uh, where rather than relying on uh, the materials that are already sort of pre-made either by instructors or uh, by third-party actors, um, they sort of try to um, get students to design these experiences on their own. Um, and this is, of course, something that uh, puts the student in the center of, of the classroom um, and takes advantage of, of um, this idea of an EMIC, E-M-I-C experience, where um, we experience the reality um, through the eyes of, of the person who narrates or who records, who conveys it. Um, so that, you know, ties in with, with, with storytelling, of course, um, but it, or digital storytelling could, could be, could be related to that. Um, but more importantly, um, it kind of, you know, pushes us in the, in the direction of um, student, uh, of more interactive, kind of more uh, mm -hmm. engaging, uh, extended reality um, experiences. Yeah, uh, yeah, nice. So, um, yeah, and, and, that, and that kind of approach uh, where uh, students are um, asked to create their, their virtual reality experiences uh, usually relies on it's just simply, you know, going out um, into, the, into the wild, as Steve Thorne would say, um, and, you know, documenting uh, what they see, right? So uh, the, the, the linguistic uh, landscape or the semiotic landscape um, and they're doing something with it, right? Um, inter uh, either, um, you know, interacting with it or, or, or explaining it or maybe elaborating on it, uh, which kind of sets us or, put, or, or kind of hints at this idea of, or with, with multi-literacies uh, approach um, where um, as an instructor you, you scaffold an, a, a learning experience um, in a way it takes advantage of certain yeah. multimodal um, digital artifacts or artifacts that you know could be uh, could be made digital um, so um, you yeah, know so you know they already sort of uh, hints at one uh, pedagogical framework, one, one approach that could be, uh, that could be linked uh, and applied in, in extended reality settings. Um, what I'm interested in is all of the above. Um, there is, um, there are a couple uh, workshops that I've done on the use of multi-literacies um, in, in extended reality settings and kind of um, structuring these student-centered projects for um, for for the for, for virtual reality, uh, but I'm also interested in uh, sort of a slightly different uh, approach to VR that has to do more with 
uh, with cognitive science uh, and, and, and cognitive linguistics uh, specifically, and that is um, how virtual reality could, or extended reality technologies could also be used um, for um, grammar, um, morphosyntax, and, and vocabulary acquisition. Um, there are some studies that are coming out uh, now that look into vocabulary learning in, in virtual environments yeah. and whether um, it is, you know, and, and its effectiveness sure. and, and effectiveness would be then, um, you know, assessed through either retention rates or recognition rates. Um, and it looks very promising. Um, and it should be promising because uh, the way that our brain work, brains work is, um, uh, you know, it's just thoroughly visual. Like we are encoded for spatial learning uh, or wired for spatial learning. Um, and, you know, why not take advantage of it? And there's already a lot of research on that in the field of, uh, of, of cognitive linguistics, right? We know um, how our brains sort of structure language, um, how metaphors are employed to, um, to um, understand uh, certain grammatical notions, uh, certain lexical uh, notions. Um, so what I'm... Um, what I'm interested in is whether um, these mechanisms, these metaphors, um, could be used to um, sort of facilitate language learning in a virtual reality setting, right? Um, which I think would also be a uh, one of the directions in which uh, XR or extended realities will develop in, in, in the future. Well, speaking of these future developments, can you talk a little bit about um where do you see XR in this entire field headed, especially again with an eye toward, you know, what the implications would be for the world language classroom? Um, so I think that um, as these technologies are becoming more accessible, um, cheaper, uh, you know, more embedded in our everyday lives, you know, is through our mm -hmm. personal mobile devices or even the computers that we have yeah. um, access to, uh, at our workplaces and, and, and universities, um, I think there's going to be, uh, you know, with this accessibility, uh, you will see proliferation of, of different uses. Um, and certainly it will become a lot more easier for students to create uh, their own virtual reality experiences and to engage in them, you know, whether it is through, would be through their phones or with uh, things like Google Cardboard or maybe even through kind of uh, more accessible, cheaper, uh, full virtual, full, full immersion virtual reality headsets. And so with that, I think uh, that will uh, lend the instructors an opportunity to develop, uh, perhaps or to weave extended reality technologies and, and materials into their classrooms, uh, into their curricula, uh, perhaps a little bit more extensively. Um, another thing that I, um, the trend that I see happening is um, as more and more people have access to these technologies, um, there will be more and more um, applications or sort of platforms that will become available for people to interact with each other in virtual space. You know, we've all heard, mm, yeah. heard about Second Life, which is an immersive platform, however it is it is on your screen. Uh -huh. um, there are uh, There are similar platforms that are already in existence, uh, for better or worse, they're for now available for uh, kind of more expensive um, headsets. 
and 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 uh, and, and hardware. Uh, but you know they're there, and there's going to be I think more and more of these. And I think what we will see is um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with you know Ready Player One, where the main character is uh, this person who uh, is immersed or basically lives in this virtual reality environment um, in this post-apocalyptic world. So um, I think that there maybe it won't go to that extent, but I think um, the, these, uh, the, the, the social potential of these technologies will be so that uh, it will become increasingly easy for people to to connect to each other in the virtual space and to relate to each other, which of course uh, will open up a you know, brand new opportunities for 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 us as language instructors. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So, where can people who are interested in these technologies find out more information? So. Um, there, uh, we have been working uh, very slowly, and now the pandemic has slowed us down even further um, on a special interest group on extended reality technologies uh, within IELTS. Uh, the interest group has been formally established. Uh, we do have a mailing list. Uh, we do have a forum, and we do have a domain for the website. Um, the website is um, xr.lrc.columbia.edu. Um, which is long, but uh, not that difficult to to remember. Um, there is absolutely nothing on it right now. Um, it says "Hello World" yes. and <laughs> very of, good, um, and a bunch nice. of kind of WordPress fillers. Uh, but it was <laughs> um, I'm going to be working on it over the summer. Um, I do have a colleague who's interested in working on it uh, with us. Um, so hopefully, um, gradually, we'll be able to um, to establish ourselves online. Uh, and to do so within IELTS, uh, within IELTS structure. Uh, now, in the meantime, um, our friends and colleagues at Calico um, are kind of a step ahead of us. Uh, they do have an online presence and a functioning uh, website for their special interest group on uh, extended reality. Um, I do not know at the top of my head what the url is but if you know, one googles calico and the virtual extended realities it should pop up right there um so i would um and, and then there's this podcast now too which is pretty great yeah right that's actually the best part about all of this yes this is how we're going to take over the world Little one bit. one extended reality at a time it's the same <laughs> thing we do every night pinky exactly <laughs> Awesome. Well, Simon, before we sign off, we would like you to share your favorite word with us in a language that you speak, that you are learning, that you have learned. What is that word? Um, so as a uh, person who has trained in uh, German, uh, it would be a miss if I had chosen a word that is not in German. Um, so uh, that being said, my Word of the day is Verschlimmbessen. Uh, <laughs> Love uh, it. Translates to uh, making something worse by trying to improve it. Um, and, you know, I hope that uh, by making a contribution to this podcast, um, I made it uh, truly better or easier to, to understand uh, for everyone rather than. Uh, making it, it even worse and, 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 and more confusing. I think, I think you accomplished your goal. 
I do not think that you contributed to Verschlimmbesserung here. So all is good. All is good, Simon. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, uh, Simon, uh, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll be back next week with another episode in our special focus on language teaching and learning strategies in a virtual space. Until then. Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.